Hello. So in this edition of Career Conversations, I have Shitish. Shitish is a chartered accountant and an MBA from ISB Hyderabad. Welcome to the show, Shitish. So I'm sure that uh, the audience is going to have a lot of crucial insights about uh, your career journey because you know a lot of youngsters watch this show and uh, they kind of emulate people who come on this show trying to find answers to their career questions so mm -hmm. i'll start straight up with a simple question that uh, first of all are you the first generation chartered accountant in your family or what exactly was the trigger for your ca decision uh, well good question so my family you're right my family is full of engineers and uh, most of my uncles are uh, either from the IITs or the IIMs. Uh, my dad is also an engineer and he went ahead and did his PhD. So yes, uh, generation chartered accountant in my family. Uh, what really attracted to me uh, attracted me to this field was primarily the the, the host of opportunities that open up, uh, be it in the finance world, be it in consulting. So uh, very early on from my college days, I decided to make a career with, uh, in the consulting domain. So uh, and uh, more typically, more specifically, it was financial consulting. And hence, uh, this was uh, essentially the first uh, stepping stone towards towards the process. So yeah, that was, if you ask me what my inspiration was, uh, it was uh, uh, the you know, goal towards management consulting. So even during your CA days, you had firmed up management consulting as the end objective of your career. See, to start off with, uh, I decided to build my career with audit. And uh, so that is when uh, uh, the real core understanding of financial statements and uh, how. Uh, so I started with the EY and you know spent five years there. And you know, uh, EY is a place which uh, makes you go through the grind and uh, you know makes you work uh, those 12 13 hours as as a regular routine even while you know even during your internship so that really sets the tone for a career and makes up a really makes up for a really strong uh, uh, base so to speak uh, so i decided to start with uh, statutory audit uh, post statutory audit i moved to research uh, in which i wanted to explore how the audited financial statements are viewed by the market uh, that is when uh, you know I really started uh, thinking about management consulting as a firm career option. It was always at the back of my mind, but uh, post EY and Crystal, uh, three years with Crystal, uh, then I took up the plunge, took the plunge to go for and for, for a full-time MBA course, uh, primarily with uh, the intention of uh, having a career in management consulting. So the seeds were sown right, you know, when I started uh, thinking about the CA course. And uh, you know, uh, uh, it was a gradual process of uh, reaching that decision of finally making uh, the plunge towards uh, management consulting. So, so then, uh, in a nutshell, I would say, is, yeah, in a nutshell, I would say uh, it, it, it can't be like a, a simple decision that's taken overnight. It's something that you chew on, something that you know, give a lot of thought, and finally you arrive at at a decision after uh, taking multiple inputs, talking to learned people within the domain. Uh, talking to your mentors and then finally making an informed choice. All right. So then, when you decided for that MBA decision in 2014-15 was when you plunged into this. So was ISB yeah. the obvious choice? Did you evaluate other courses like IIM Ahmedabad, PGPX, or options abroad like an NCR or a Harvard 
so then how did that journey happen so that's also a reason why a lot of people are confused that where should they off yeah. their mba from yeah. so if you ask me the best place to you know uh, hone your skills if you have consulting aspirations is in your <laughs> business uh it also made a lot of sense because uh, it was it's the premier uh, b school in india uh, you know having a very close uh, competition as such with ahmedabad uh by the time i decided to do an mba i had already a work ex of around four and a half to five years that's excluding my internship experience of three years so it's already in that bracket where uh, you know uh, i am ahmedabad don't really have added much value to me uh, i wanted to be among a cohort of students that come with a similar work ex with uh, you know a more diverse uh, backgrounds uh, be it from the finance background most of most of my class was full of engineers uh, be it iit grads be it, uh, you know uh, students from other top universities and colleges around the country so the the main uh, deciding factor was a the uh, the fact that it's a premier school for uh, consulting career secondly my experience was in a bracket which made in which isp made much more sense and thirdly uh, uh, about the schools abroad i did give a, a a quick thought to you know schools in singapore i also did some uh, what they call auditing the class so i went to singapore to visit a couple of schools i visited ntu and nus uh, the professors were kind enough to give me a chance to attend a few classes take me around the school got to know some of the students there did uh, uh, some bit of uh, understanding about the course the career opportunities etc uh finally it came down to the finances to be honest uh, although i really liked nus uh, i would have gone ahead and applied uh, but uh, finally it came down to the finances luckily uh, i got through isb in the first uh, uh, in the second round but then in my first attempt itself so then applying abroad elsewhere to the us schools uh, didn't really you know uh, make much sense at that point in time because primarily in the finances and you know uh looking at options in india uh, there's no probably no better place than than isb to uh, pursue your consulting aspirations so then uh, did people at home raise questions about you for going one year of salary incurring 30 lakhs of costs no i mean i personally have faced that kind of a dilemma people say ki you are already well settled as a ca what and then you know they really don't understand management consulting etc this that which could be your firm aspiration so then was that an issue which you had to face because today isb charges 36 lakhs so the financial yeah. roi is a big question mark for all mba so mba typically the one year one now comes at a huge price tag correct so what are your thoughts on that <laughs> well uh, i was lucky in that sense uh, so even if i decide to go ahead for another uh, post graduate degree my uh, family wouldn't really stop me they would be supportive as long as they know that i'm clear when i'm going for that particular course although back then uh, they had the comfort of knowing that i had done my research uh, so i was planning an mba since uh, 2010ish so that's around 4 years i was planning my mba uh, planning how i would go about my finances what courses i would take what are the various careers or op- career options that i would look uh, ahead to what are the various clubs within the school i would join what kind of uh, extra curricular activities uh, right. what projects i would do so i had done a very detailed detailed plan for around 3 to 4 years mm-hmm. so then knew i was pretty yeah so they knew i was pretty uh, confident about uh, my decision and i would go ahead and do it in a serious way 
so i had their full support so luckily that turned out well but you're right i mean it's a huge financial decision given that uh, the tuition fees are uh, not exactly affordable these days but then if you you know have uh, that uh, admit letter i think banks would be on top of each other to give you a loan so that doesn't really uh, make much of a difference if you have that uh, offer letter from isb but you're right i mean it's a huge career decision because it's an opportunity cost uh, you are foregoing one year of salary i mean and you are also you know taking huge risk uh, more so if you're settled in a career uh you know there will be questions as to you know would you be able to reach the same heights uh, that you were already progressing towards but that's the leap of faith that uh, you know uh, the uh, mba aspirant should take if they're very clear as to why they are doing an mba uh, then i think the what and the how follows all right so then how was it like rebooting life as a student walking into a classroom with a backpack and saying hello professor now teach me something <laughs> well uh, mba is all about unlearning to be honest uh, see uh, i'll tell you my experience with isb it was a very humbling experience uh, i used to think myself of myself as you know someone who has a big four tag a chartered accountant so i was one of the only 25 guys who were chartered accountants in our class of uh, 7 800 at that time uh, combining the both both the campuses uh walking into the school i found that most of the guys were you know either as smart or maybe even much smarter than what you are so it's just a humbling experience you enter a simple study group meeting and you find that there's a guy from iit there's a doctor there's an army colonel who has you know 20 years of work experience of a very different kind altogether there's someone who's an operations expert so the cohort is so diverse that a it makes you really humble it uh, you know uh, makes you take a look at yourself and think okay now is the time to you know kind of unlearn stuff that you have learned uh, maybe the wrong way over the years uh, get to know these people understand from their experiences and uh, uh, you know get the most out of the cohort so that's one so the um, first challenge is to unlearn and be coachable if you're not coachable if you go with a fixed mindset of you know let's say i'm a finance expert or i'm an, i'm an operations expert and i decide to do courses only in finance and operations then i would in fact be doing a disservice to my to all the tuition fees that i'm spending because that's not how i will get the fullest uh, roi from the course so a b uh, a b you know have uh, uh, the ability to uh, unlearn secondly be coachable and thirdly it's uh, all about you know enjoying the experience so the faculty at isv is world class Uh, you have guys coming down from Wharton, Kellogg, and other premier schools around the world. So sitting through, you know, a single class uh, of any of these legendary professors uh, is just an experience in itself. So yeah, it's it's different. You know, you know, uh, you're used to carrying your uh, office laptop bag, but suddenly on one day you're having to carry your books, sitting in the library, studying, meeting professors, asking doubts. So it just makes you much more humble. It makes you realize that uh, you know. You've been in the corporate rut for a long time. It's time to you know unwind, you know, unlearn and relearn, and you know uh, get the most out of uh, what's what's on offer. So well, it's good that you pointed out that there are professors from Wharton and Kellogg. But then uh, yeah. there's a dimension to this which a lot of people raise is that these professors live out of a suitcase. So as compared to a professor who would be actually a full-time resident on campus. a professor who comes with a clearly defined timeline and has to rush off back home 
so do you get that kind of a that same bond uh, or that kind of attachment with that kind of a professor so um, see first of all the course is short it's a 51 week course so in fact uh, if you look at the curriculum it's a 18 to 24 month course all crammed into 12 months so it's a fast paced course uh, to be honest you really don't have that kind of time to you know gel with the professors and the professors to develop that level of affinity towards you but in whatever phase time that you have with these guys they will you know give you their fullest and uh, so every lecture is around every course is around 10 lectures 10 lectures into two hours around 20 hours of face time with each of these professors so every minute of uh, you know these 20 hours is uh, uh, you know worth its weight in gold so uh, the the most you can get it get from it is visit professors during their office hours or catch hold of them you know in the cafeteria and stuff like that but beyond that you really don't have the kind of time to you know Uh, spend more time with the professor because a so they are uh, classes waiting for you correct and uh, there's so much coursework that you really don't have much time in between classes or gel and do that bonding yeah yeah that maybe is one of the uh, you know uh, negative aspects of it since it's a 12 month course uh, 51 week course to be to be precise uh, so there's no concept of a senior as well so you, you're all on your own right yeah and uh, you're hard press for time so uh, maybe that level of personal connect may not happen but then whatever time you get to the professors what you do is you know you, you know get the most out of it and that's that's easily achievable by doing your pre reads doing your extra reading and doing your homeworks and your class assignments that's how you can you know ask better questions uh, get the professors to you know give you projects and, and that's how you get get most out of it most of the time that's available apart from the acads so you were vp education at the toastmasters club of isd you won a case study competition in fact 70000 rupees that i am samantaram so what are those, those kind of experiences i think you know after ca 5 6 years into corporate world again becoming a student and these kind of experiences i think could have been even today 4 5 years down the line you would be quite nostalgic about them well yes uh, the first question was around uh, the um, the toastmasters bit right so toastmasters is is uh, a global organization that trains uh, public speaking and yeah, yeah. aspirants for public speaking uh, uh, so uh, we have the mohali chapter uh, at the mohali campus i'm sure there's one at hyderabad campus as well uh, so i am you know uh, thoroughly uh, uh, was very interested in you know, being a part of the toastmasters club primarily because uh, grammar and english is something that's very close to my heart and uh, i did not do project speeches on my own but i used to be the grammarian and the mentor and the project uh, uh, the project mentor for all the project aspirants and the project speakers uh, so that was a very exciting experience because we also organized a few uh, uh, public speaking competitions and students from in and around the tri city in mohali did come in and uh, participate in the comp- uh, the competition uh we had a club uh which had around 15 to 20 uh, participants and we had a few very experienced speakers in our class uh, who would come down and give us uh, their feedback as to how the body language should be what your you know the hand gestures the eye eye contact uh, where do you take pauses uh, what are the places in in a particular sentence where you give stress so little things like that uh, we got excellent feedback about so uh, that is a stage or a platform where you can really get rid of your stage fear 
uh, and you know really develop your public speaking skills. So that was a, a fantastic experience. Coming to the uh, B school competition, this was the inaugural uh, B school competition organized by IIM Bangalore, and uh, this was about uh, an educational institution in uh, somewhere in the rural area of uh, Madhya Pradesh. Uh, so the story behind is very behind that is very inspirational. In fact, a guy from uh, uh, Bangalore, I think. Uh, yes. So he, the founder of the uh, the founder of this particular institution, it's an education institution in Madhya Pradesh, uh, founded by an IT engineer from Bangalore. So this guy, one fine day, just gave up his lucrative job, came to his hometown. I think the place is called Indapur. If I'm mistaken, if I'm mistaken, not. And set up uh, an institution called uh, SSISN. It's an institute that works uh, towards upliftment of underprivileged children, and you know gives them the basic uh, voca uh, vocational courses and also certain gra graduation courses as well. Uh, so the story itself was very inspirational, and that came on to the campus, and you know they invited applications. So two of my friends, along with me, participated in that. And uh, all the three of us are very, very passionate about, uh, still are very passionate about the fact that education is, is maybe the silver bullet for all social problems. And this uh, came across as uh, something that was very close to what we believe in. Uh, we got in touch with the founders and, you know, uh, the, the case competition was essentially around uh, developing a viable and sustainable uh, uh, financial plan for uh, the education institution. Uh, and we came up with some really sure. So we gave them some very uh, uh, implementable, very real life solutions, and that ensured that uh, we really stuck a chord with the, the founders. What worked well for us was a, it was a subject that was very close to our hearts, and secondly, we gave some really uh, uh, implementable solutions. So that was our first taste of consulting, so to speak, uh, right in the middle of B school, and uh, the solutions were found to be very. Uh, uh, you know, real uh, by the founders, and uh, luckily enough, the founders themselves were uh, part of the judges' panel. So okay. they had, uh, yeah. So they really didn't have, uh, uh, you know, there was a consensus as to who the winner should be. So that was another exciting experience uh, at at at, this, at this group. Coming to placement season, you know, placement season generally sends a lot of jitters. So what yeah. kind of roles do typically come for chartered accountants or people from that kind of a cohort? Uh, and are there corporate so, roles also apart from uh, management consulting, the MBBs of the world? And uh, another thing is the large batch size. Is it an advantage or a disadvantage with, when it comes to an individual bagging a good job? Okay. So let me come to your first question, which is the, about the placement season. Uh, the placement season, yes, you're right. Uh, it gives you a lot of jitters. and it's you know, But looking back at it, it was a thoroughly exciting experience. Uh, so the way it works for uh, ISB is the entire batch, uh, the entire class from the Mohali campus is flown down to Hyderabad and the placements happen in a unified way. So all the recruiters come uh, onto the campus in the Hyderabad campus simply because it's a larger campus. So uh, logistically makes more sense. And uh, so it's a it's it's like a job mela, like a job fair on, you know, day zero, day one and day two where, you know, there are classrooms and... Uh, people's uh, quads that are converted into interview rooms, people are running from one place to the other, juggling between interviews. So there are people with multiple shortlists. So I had a friend who had nine shortlists. So he had uh, 
nine interviews spaced out in the uh, matter of two days. So exciting stories will come out, and that you know, uh, funny stories about how people turn up at interviews with you know not enough sleep. Uh, they turn up at the wrong interview places. At times, stuff has happened around. Uh, you know, uh, people uh, who who have you know come up with uh, the wrong CVs for that matter. I mean, so uh, I, you know, one of my friends came uh, to for an interview with the CV of his friend. So funny stories like these happen, and it, it's just part of the whole uh, process. You know, so uh, around five to six hundred people at the same time on campus. Uh, you know, running around That's for interviews. <laughs> Yeah, it's a job fair, but yeah, yeah. But the best part of it is it's very well organized, and the career uh, council at ISB is very professional, very thorough with the arrangements. Uh, the students are made to feel comfortable. Uh, the arrangements for the interviewers are excellent. Uh, there is a very high level of uh, uh, process uh, orientation to it. So they have a number of volunteers who would go around um, uh, arranging interviews and coordinating interviews for uh, uh, you know st students who have multiple interviews and students who need to be you know at multiple uh, at various places on the same day. So all that stuff, complicated stuff, is managed well. So that's the good part of it. Even though there is a lot of helter skelter, a lot of chaos. There is some clarity in the chaos, which is thanks to the careers council. Coming to uh, the opportunities for the finance professional, yes, there are corporate finance jobs that come onto campus. Apart from that, uh, you have uh, openings or, or job opportunities around general management. Uh, there is a bit of leadership profiles as well. Uh, although uh, when it comes to investment banking and private equity, uh, the foray that ASB has made into these uh, areas is slightly uh, less as at the point at the current uh, juncture, but we are getting there. Uh, so primarily, everyone looks at ISB as a consulting school, which is true, but it's not entirely true. I mean, uh, there are plenty of opportunities for finance professionals, uh, like I said, be it corporate finance, be it uh, transaction advisory services. Uh, be it financial consulting, be it financial effectiveness practice, which is something that I got into at PwC. Uh, and young finance professionals will have plenty of opportunities for uh, leadership programs, general management programs. And this is all in addition to your uh, top consulting jobs. So consulting fir firms do look for chartered accountants and finance professionals, but uh, they primarily want people who you know are perceived to think out of the box. CAs are sometimes looked at someone who people who are very rule bound. Uh, and people who are not very capable of thinking out of the box, although I would completely disagree, but that's that's a perception that the industry has. But uh, uh, I had uh, some very bright chartered accountants along with me, and a couple of them did get placed uh, in top consulting firms. Apart from MBB, uh, this is what I also keep telling all the you know, aspirants as well as people going through the course. Apart from MBB, you also have the other tier two firms like your big fours, uh, you have Accenture, you have Etikern. Accenture and Etikern is not really tier two; it's almost at par with MBB. But there is tier two firms. Uh, there are other startups which would really want finance professionals. Uh, so the opportunities are are a plenty. I mean, uh, uh, if there's any doubt about finance professionals not having enough opportunities, those are completely misplaced. And in terms of financial yeah. ROI, if I were to ask in terms of the X, in terms of the jump. You know, people generally will tend to say, okay, I've spent 30 lakhs, foregone 20 lakhs of salary, 50 lakhs. 
is my cost. So what is my pre and post MBA salary in terms of normally not just yours, the entire thing. So did people have a kind of a two X jump in a salary so as to compensate for the huge cost incurred? So if you look at the the median salaries, it's around uh, for my class it was around nineteen lakhs, which has gone up significantly. Uh, I think now it's twenty five ish. I think now yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a bit of both here. I mean, you'll find people who have backed uh, you know amazing offers of around 35, 40 lakhs. Although those numbers are few, and these guys would have easily gotten a jump of two x, two and a half, to even sometimes even three x. But that is those are few and far in between. Uh, typically, you'll have a jump of at least sixty to seventy percent. Uh, I myself got a jump of around 60% in my pre-MBA versus my post-MBA uh, salary. But to be honest, it's a little mm, myopic to look at uh, an MBA course purely from the terms of, purely from uh, the point of view of the post So yeah. Okay. In terms of, uh, you know, you first entered PwC in the finance effectiveness and management consulting thing and then moved to Accenture. So in terms of management consulting, so take us through your life as a consultant. Uh, were the two roles different? Because in one of them, it was a CFO assistance practice. One was probably more into ops and finance effectiveness. So how were they different? What did you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Right. So uh, at ISB, I got placed with PwC. This was in the finance effectiveness practice. Uh, so essentially, the practice revolved around a lot of uh, shared services advisory work a lot of process transformation and uh, process standardization kind of work. Uh, so we also did a lot of uh, HR and IT and operations transformation, procurement transformation as well. So uh, this was a more uh, support services transformation role. Uh, it was a client facing uh, advisory role. So that was my first, uh, the first couple of years that I spent at uh, PwC. Got a chance to travel uh, to uh, multiple locations, do a lot of shared service advisory uh, uh, assignments, uh, did a lot of uh, assignments on process transformation within India as well. Uh, so the opportunity at Accenture was a little different. The first, uh, so I had two students at Accenture. Uh, uh, I had a profile change at Accenture. I started off with the operations consulting team. So the prime uh, reason or the main reason, the main inspiration for making that shift was uh, getting uh, an idea about the automation space. Uh, so process transformation is, uh, you know, the last piece of process transformation is uh, automation, uh, robotics and uh, artificial intelligence and stuff like that. Yeah. So that was the exposure that I wanted at Accenture. So uh, and this is something I keep telling guys who want to move into consulting is, uh, finance transformation is a very dynamic space. I mean, uh, your simple order to cash and procure to pay and your record to report is something that's, uh, you know, those are the courses that you need, but that's uh, life and the finance profession has moved much beyond that. And that is something that Accenture gave a very good exposure towards. Uh, to. At Accenture, I got a chance to, again, you know, uh, explore a lot of these digital transformation areas. And that really set the tone around uh, uh, data-driven consulting, a lot of uh, uh, exposure around the new aspects of consulting like NLP, like AI, uh, like robotic process automation. So that is something that a finance professional should know. Uh, you cannot restrict yourself to your typical traditional ways of consulting and traditional ways of looking at uh, process transformation. 
so uh, this exposure was something that accenture specializes in and that's why i moved to accenture uh, the second stint with Accenture, the second team that I moved on to Accenture was pure uh, management consulting. It's, uh, uh, you know, again, the work profile as such did not change. Uh, but then there were some more aspects of it that came into the picture, like zero-based budgeting uh, and some bit of, uh, uh, you know, more advanced robotics and stuff like that. So that was more like a step up. Uh, so with PwC, I would say I started with operations consulting. Continued that, handed a flavor of automation at PW and Accenture, and then took it a further level ahead in digital transformation and uh, the allied areas and the whole gamut of uh, opportunities that come with it at uh, Accenture itself. But one thing people say about consulting, in fact, two things. One, consulting is it starts with a con. So you do a lot of gas and you kind of, you know, have jazzy PowerPoints and the second is the work-life balance of consulting. I mean, it is something which really takes a toll on your system. But in your case, I think your EY days would have helped you because you had already get, have got used to that 12-hour kind of a 14-hour kind of a day. But then is consulting actually about uh, doing things on the ground, uh, transforming things? Well, okay. Uh, see, it's a little blurred in India. If you go abroad, you'll find that strategy and management consulting are very distinct. It's S and MC. In, in India, it's SMC, it's strategy and management consulting. So you will not really find teams that are uh, doing just your core high-level strategy and going out. You will find that teams are doing your strategy work and then doing uh, you know that support to implementation as well. So that is what clients are looking for these days. They want uh, uh, a vendor or a consultant who gives them the whole... Uh, you know, whole uh, spectrum of services, right from strategy to uh, implementing the strategy. So from the 20,000 feet thing to the granular, granular details, everything Absolutely. you have to do. Absolutely. And that's how uh, the contracts are uh, designed these days. I will have an ideation phase, you will have an execution phase, you'll have an implementation phase and a support phase. So the work that Accenture typically did spanned across all four uh, spheres. Okay. Uh, but then we had multiple teams working at the same time. We have strategy, strategy teams, you'll have uh, technology teams, you'll have your process transformation and operations teams. So any big assignment would be uh, an amalgamation of multiple teams working together. You'll have their work streams cut out. But then there would be a project manager who would be, you know, managing the overall assignment as such. So, yeah, uh, a lot of the value that is uh, generated, value that is delivered is uh, you know, driven from the fact that uh, you work right from the first phase to the end phase and do not just, you know, give high level uh, uh, solutions and then move out. That is not what uh, consulting is these days. It's all about, uh, you know, handholding the client right up to the implementation phase. So if you ask me about the, the joke that you cracked, cracked about consulting, that is that's funny, but not, not entirely true. So now, yeah, with implementation, if a, if a consulting firm actually goes for implementation, I think then that theory does not hold good. But if yeah. you are just supposed to give some high level gyan and say, okay, this is how your, it's going to be your vision, then it's about actually being kind of a magician who is showing you big dreams and then walking off with the crores in terms of checks. Correct. You know, and, and if that were true, any college graduate with a laptop and an internet connection would become a consultant. And why would you need finance professionals? And no, but guys? you know, what also happens is that, you know, typically companies also want a consultant to stamp a decision. It becomes easier to sell it in the boardroom. 
that look uh, at kani has been advocating this and this is how mckinsey says we should exit this business so a lot of it is also about branding i suppose that's but, true, uh, but your credibility yeah your credibility is at stake right you cannot make a, a solution that's not workable or a solution that completely falls apart for you know uh, gaps in the implementation uh, recommendation if that happens then your credibility is at at stake and the word spreads fast i mean the market as such is small uh, there are only as many consultants that you'll have uh, so that is a risk that's a, a risk i won't even call it a risk that's uh, and you know uh, ten, that tends to be slightly unprofessional uh, people would not really you know go ahead uh, and do some repeat business and the word is giving a recommendation just for the heck of it that will ne- uh, never ever happen because there are multiple levels of uh, uh reviews that happen there are quality teams and there is you know if there is an international assignment there will be partners from across the globe that will be involved so multiple levels of reviews and uh, quality checks are done and uh, finally yeah so just one final point and you know an assignment is said to be closed only when there's a buy in from uh, the user so you will not really have a buy in or uh, uh, you know a sign off from uh, let's say the project manager as such you will have a sign off from the user from the uh, user of of that particular solution so once he says that okay this is usable and this is doable only then a consulting assignment is said to be closed so having that level of buy in and that level of uh, granularity is absolutely necessary to get that buy in and only only then a consulting assignment is said to be successful coming to the work life balance part uh, yes uh, my experience with eva helped a lot uh given the fact that it was uh, see ey is a place which uh, grants you to be you know uh, a very hard working professional is the perfect training ground to you know start off your career uh, if you want you know have uh, aspirations towards uh, consulting uh, so working long hours didn't really come as a surprise or didn't really come as as a cultural shock when i moved into consulting but uh, at the same time uh, uh, yes work life balance is a bit of a problem uh, you're traveling a lot uh, you're working on weekends and uh, that takes away precious time from family so what i often tell uh, aspirants of uh, management consulting are the pros of uh, consulting are also its cons so if you say the pro is that you get to travel a lot you get to you know stay in flashy hotels and uh, get to travel business class and stuff like that that's the pro but the con is you stay away from family okay the, there's another pro which is uh, you know you get to do very creamy work very meaty work project based work you work on an assignment for 3 to 4 months and then you move out you move to the next assignment uh well that's creamy work and meaty work yes but that is at what cost the cost is the work life balance right you're working 13 14 hours straight uh then you go back to hotel room and you sleep you get up come back work 13 14 hours straight go back to hotel room and sleep so the pros also have their cons so if you are really cut out for it uh, you know uh, it, you know one should really uh, understand that uh, it's not just uh, the glitz and the glamour and the grandeur of it but a lot of hard work that goes behind uh, building a successful consulting uh, career all right so now very recently in march you shifted to indigo in the strategy function analyst for their projects and all so what i see is that you know typically most of management consultants eventually settle for a role in industry meaty roles in terms of you know really being heard at the top level is it 
a lot of uh, so one i think industry does pay a premium for your vintage in terms of management consulting and secondly i think one driver would be work life balance after having traversed miles and miles and stayed away so what really drives that decision because it's a general trend because i've seen a lot of people shift from management consulting eventually into the strategy function of industries and doing very well there good salaries good so, work life balance good good question and i'm glad that you asked uh, that question because uh, often times i'm asked what are the exit options for consulting and the answer to that is the exit options are endless i mean uh, once you have that diverse experience uh, and with a strong b school backing uh, industries across uh, across the sector companies across working across various domains would love to have you on board uh, especially in the strategy and the planning piece of it uh my uh, inspiration behind moving to indigo was was twofold a it's it's a very exciting industry it's a very fascinating industry it is an ever changing dynamic industry although it is going through a bit of a strife recently but uh, the kind of uh, opportunities that you get to learn are just unparalleled uh, to my mind aviation is one of the most complicated industries every department that i work with every day is like a separate project in itself uh, be it uh, airport operations be it flight ops be it uh, pilot remuneration be it fuel cost optimization so every area that you touch is a consulting assignment in itself and indigo is a low cost airline uh, and it's doing really really well as you may already know uh one of the primary objectives of me and my team is cost optimization so when you talk about cost optimization there are 100 things that you could do uh, to to make the cost uh, uh, cleaner yeah. and you know uh, optimize wherever possible so that opens up a lot of consulting opportunities so i looked at uh, this as uh, a consulting assignment or consulting profile itself which it is in a in an industry that is ever growing and dynamic so uh, there is no uh, uh, day where there is uh, there's no slow news day so to speak it's always a fast moving uh, environment with uh, you know multiple people working across multiple uh, projects smart guys working around you so the entire team that i have i handle a team of around 10 to 12 analysts and all of them are either iim graduates or isb graduates so you have a group of really really good people working for you uh so there's a lot that you can learn from them there's a lot that you can uh, you know uh, give give back to them as well so a fast moving company an exciting role uh and of course a well paying role so all these three things came together and uh, fortunately it worked out uh, i was at the right place at the right time they were looking out for someone to lead uh, this financial analysis team within the uh, cpnd function and things fell into place so yeah uh, pretty lucky to have uh, you know uh, to uh, get this profile in the first place because uh, you know the kind of opportunities and the limelight uh, that we get on an everyday basis on getting to work with uh, the excom getting to work with leaders across the business uh, it's an exciting day okay so one question that i ask people who are in you know typically very high challenging roles is that what do you do for fun what do you do to maintain your physical and mental agility levels so what is your secret sauce do you have a fitness regime what do you do exactly because you know that is one very pertinent question that is now emerging in today's time 
that's a, that's a really good question and uh, see back in the day before i got fettered by the chains of corporate life i was uh, you know very active with badminton and cricket but uh, even today's day day and age uh, i find that uh, you know uh, you know youngsters uh, tend to you know work long hours and develop you know uh, physical conditions like back aches and obesity in the 20 in the 20s and 30s which is a very unhealthy uh, you know uh, trend that's that you can see around you uh, what i try to do is uh, have a, at least a small 20 to 25 minute run in the morning uh, and that's the first thing that i do uh, before going to office uh, so that just sets the tone for the day uh, so a run in the park uh, like a like a 20 to 25 minute run in the park in the mornings that's how i start my day on the weekends i do ensure that i play at least a couple of sports uh, what i am currently doing is i play cricket on saturdays and table tennis on sundays so yeah i try to ensure that i have enough physical activity uh, there are times when the weather permits and the weather is better uh, me my wife and i we go cycling so that yeah so that's that's some that's something that helps as well uh and the uh, and in fact this is a really pertinent question for today's day and age in which uh, we are expected to work long hours uh the stress needs to be managed uh, and especially in a fast growing company uh, things are growing at a breakneck speed there is absolutely no uh, room for respite and no room for uh, uh, you know dropping the ball so to speak so maintaining your physical uh maintaining the physical aspect of it is as critical as doing well at work and it all uh, and to be honest i mean if you're fit it shows up uh, in your work workplace as well so yeah absolutely necessary all right so final question what would you advise to future aspirants i mean your journey has been quite an inspiring one in terms of the sheer focus with which you've traversed the last one and a half decades of your journey what would i mean i think that would be one takeaway which i will have that yes if you really have a well thought well thought out career path it really helps what would your final advice to you know young aspirants who would be watching this particular interview sure so um, uh, number one to ca aspirants i would say that uh, it is very necessary to keep yourself updated uh you cannot restrict yourself to the traditional audit and tax uh, kind of uh, services uh all of those are good places to start off with and of course you can build a really successful career around careers around those but if you really want to explore new stuff you need to have uh, an idea of what are the the latest trends uh digital transformation and finance transformation are uh, the the you know the real Uh, latest trends that are the buzzwords be it robotic process automation or be it uh, artificial intelligence be it natural language processing and stuff like that so finance as a profession has really gone leaps and uh, grown leaps and bounds even audit as a profession has gone uh, grown leaps and bounds uh, i'm not very sure about taxation but i'm sure you know given the dynamic environment around the statutory uh, uh, changes that are happening in that space uh you know so in conclusion i would just say that it is necessary to keep yourself updated and keep uh, learning always i mean you cannot just rest on your past laurels and think okay i have done my ca that's it i'm you know destined for success that's not true in today's day and age ca is, has become hygiene factor so you really want to 
grow in the finance field, CA is probably just the first step. <coughs> the, the, the next steps could be, you know, an MBA in finance or maybe uh, doing more specialized courses. So, uh, A, knowledge about the latest trends in the industry is very important and B, uh, evolving yourself. You cannot be stagnant. You have to be learning. You have to be a student throughout your life. That's my, my advice for the CS parents. As far as the MBA aspirants go, I would encourage uh, students to think of three things. Why do they want to do an MBA? Why do they want to do an MBA now or that at particular at that particular point in their careers? And why a particular school? So why MBA? Why now? And which school? If you have the ans answers to these three questions, I think you're sorted. Uh, I think I also mentioned uh, on one occasion uh, a little earlier in the interview that if you have figured the why, the what and the how will follow. Yes, absolutely. Answering the why is very critical because if you don't know why you're doing a particular, or taking a particular step in your career, you would, you know, let's say take the leap of faith and then you would probably say, okay, is this what I really wanted? Have I really put enough thought into it? Am I repenting? Is there a way back? You do not want to be in that kind of position after taking a huge financial decision and a huge decision from a career point of view. So have the why very clear. The what and the how are, you know, that's that's the piece of cake. So a lot of introspection is necessary. Uh, you know, you should know why, uh, what exactly would an MBA bring to the table? What exactly would you contribute to the student cohort? What are what would be your takeaways? And how exactly will an MBA help you, uh, you know, bounce forward? Uh, you know, it's very necessary to know that. Uh, uh, an MBA is not just a financial decision, it's a huge opportunity cost. So it's, uh, if you go for, let's say, I'll talk about ISB, it's 12 months of employment and uh, you know, 12 months of probable uh, uh, promotions and you know chances to move abroad and stuff like that, all that you're giving up. So what is very important is you should weigh the pros versus the cons. Are all these uh, probable promotions and move and movement to, let's say, an on-site client or an on-site location, are these uh, sacrifices worth it? That's the call that you have to take and what is necessary to uh, get the correct answer in that case is do a lot of introspection. So for CAs, I would say be always be in a, a position of uh, evolution. Do not settle. Be you know uh, aware of what's happening around you be called always in a state of uh, learning and for MBA aspirants, I would say, uh, do a lot of introspection yeah. and answer the question. Why? All right. Thank you so much. Shitesh, for your wonderful insights. And I'm sure their audience is going to really take home some critical things that they're going to implement. And thanks so much for the deep insights that you shared. I am sure that uh, we both found it worth the wait. I, there was a lot of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally, we did manage to, you know, find a common uh, time in which we no, then things but Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, this was a fun conversation. And, uh, you know, even if you have any MBA aspirants or CA aspirants who would seek advice, uh, you have my number. You can pass it on. I'll be very glad to help myself. Uh, I do uh, do a lot of uh, student mentoring as well for you know the current classes at ISB and even uh, you know uh, aspirants for uh, the CA course. So in case you have uh, someone who needs help, I'll be very very glad to. Oh, thank you so much. I'll share your LinkedIn.
profile uh, link in the description so that people can connect with you sure. and all right thank you so much absolutely thanks anurag bye see you bye